Sponsored by Primus Pharmaceuticals, the makers of Empoise Clobetasol Propionate Cream. 0.025% delivered at the lowest possible price for patients. Go to PrimusCareDirect.com to learn more about access to the Direct Pharmacy Savings Program. You're listening to the Derms and Conditions Podcast. This is Dr. Jim Dorasso with another episode of Derms and Conditions. And I'm talking today with someone that I've known for quite some time, uh, I've worked very closely with, I've gotten to know very well, including members of her family. We're at a lot of meetings together and a lot of events together. It's Dr. Linda Steingold. And uh, Dr. Steingold is Director of Dermatology Clinical Research and also the Division Head of Dermatology at Henry Ford Health. So thanks for being with us today, Linda. Jim, it's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Always happy to have you because I know you're, we're very similar in that we're involved in a, a lot of areas of clinical research and academics and medicine and teaching and keep ourselves busy. And we often talk to our colleagues about conditions that are chronic conditions that are somewhat difficult to manage or, or maybe hard to treat. And we have a lot of different options and new things coming along. So I, I'd like to focus today on topical management of psoriasis. Uh, which I know you've been very involved with, and look specifically at topical corticosteroid treatment or combination formulations of topical corticosteroids uh, with other agents, uh, and also non-steroidal versus steroidal treatment, because there seems to be a push for more non-steroidal treatment, but that doesn't necessarily mean we forego on the therapies that we've already had. So uh, why don't you just open up with some of your perspectives on, on topical management of psoriasis? Yeah, and I, I think we have to remember that topical therapy still is the mainstay of therapy. It, we see so many new agents coming out in terms of new biologic drugs, and that's fantastic. But, you know, Jim, as you know, if we take a step back and look at our psoriasis patients, the vast majority of them actually just have localized disease. And so that means they're using topical therapy alone. And then even those patients who have more widespread disease still rely on some topical treatments. So I think topical therapy still is an essential tool to get our psoriasis patients under control. So there's a lot of talk about topical corticosteroid therapy. And sometimes, you know, I certainly recognize that there are issues with chronic use and potential adverse events. The majority are, are something that we might see visibly, some that we we could see systemically potentially that may be important. But how often does that come into your mind as being a factor in whether or not you're going to use topical corticosteroid therapy? Yeah, there's a lot of discussion about it. You know, we, we, we know that psoriasis patients are dealing with a chronic condition. They want to get it under control quickly, and I don't blame them. And as physicians, we want to get it under control as quickly as possible. Um, and, you know, when you look at the prescribing habits of most of our colleagues, topical steroids really are the mainstay. And, uh, and when we look at all the topical steroids, most people want something that's fairly potent. And I think, I think it's important. I, we we want to get that disease under control as quickly as possible. 
Well, you know, if you're treating conventional seborrheic dermatitis, for lack of a better description, you certainly don't need to be using high-potency or super-high-potency corticosteroids. It responds to relatively lower potencies. But psoriasis, I think, is is hard to get under control with lower potencies, especially in the, the, the areas where it tends to be thicker, elbows and knees, trunk extremities and scalp. Obviously, intertriginous and axilla are, are different. But what's your thought on that, of going right to something that's that's more potent to get it under control faster? I, I think it certainly is appropriate, um, you know, but we, we have to keep, really keep a holistic view about our therapy. You know, we want to be treating with an eye on efficacy, but we have to have an eye on safety as well. And and because these patients have this disease for a long period of time, you know, we really want to make sure that we're not writing a prescription, sending them off on their own, and have actually not keeping tabs on what they're doing. So I have no problem with starting with something that's fairly safe and fairly effective. And if that means a more potent steroid, I think that's fine. But if we can do it in the safest way possible, I think that's always the best option. Yeah important to control the number of refills so they're not randomly just filling the medication and you lose track. I, I sometimes see that as a problem. We don't always know when our prescriptions are being refilled. Sometimes patients get them other ways. It's kind of uh, mystical or something, but you certainly kind of sort of keep track of that. But obviously the formulation is important. We certainly know things like clobetazole, halobetazole are, are or super potent or higher potency agents, uh, beta-methazone, dipropionate, amongst others. But what about the formulation characteristics? Because if we look at look back at some of the the characteristics that we have, I mean the the, the agents that we have, and the characteristics, the vehicle plays an important role in the delivery and sometimes in the safety. So I know you've worked on beta-methazone, dipropionate. A formulation, a specific formulation that has data supporting that it delivers more into the superficial aspects of the skin with less or deeper penetration. Can you talk about some of the data on that in terms of the efficacy, safety, and even the compliance? Because I know you've published on this. Yeah, you know, Jim, you make such an important point because when we talk about topical therapy, you know, it's different than a pill. So the pill, whether it's, you know, pink or white or oval shape, doesn't make any difference. But when you're, we're talking about topical therapy, the, the vehicle is really essential. And, and your example of beta-methasone dipropionate is, is perfect because we can take the same molecule and have it either as a superpotent steroid or a mid-potency steroid. And we can kind of manipulate that vehicle to help us do what we want in terms of potentially getting a drug that might work a little bit better and have a better safety profile. And the one example you mentioned, beta-methasone dipropionate, is now, has been formulated in an emollient spray. And what's interesting, and I, I find this really interesting about this particular drug, it's a 0.05% spray. And um, when we do a vasoconstrictor study on it, and we know that that, that looks at how it, it, it um, causes the blood vessels to constrict down, and we tend to think that that vasoconstrictor score usually correlates fairly well with potency. And um, looking at this particular drug, when we do the vasoconstrictor study, it looks like it's a mid-potency steroid. And you might ex expect it to be like a mid-potency steroid, but what's funny about this one is that the vehicle has been created, so it, it's a little bit tricky. 
So you you use this drug that looks like it should be a mid-potency steroid, but the vehicle is such that the drug is actually delivered into the skin and almost forms like a, a more of a depot effect, whereas it gets into the skin, but it doesn't go straight through into the systemic circulation. So we get really good penetration into the skin, but not through the skin and into the, into the bloodstream where we would worry about things like HPA axis depression. So although it had that that mid-potency vasoconstrictor score, when we actually test it, it's outperforming and it's performing similar to a higher potency steroid, but we do have that safety net. And we have the safety net because we can now use this. It doesn't have that two-week limitation. We can use this for four weeks and it has a, a like a nice safety profile. So we might not have to reach for potentially a super potent Betamethasone, you know, cream or ointment when we have this emollient spray and it works in a similar way. Or, or another super potent steroid. When you say tested, you're talking about actually treating the patients as opposed to a in vitro test or something, correct? Exactly. And that's right. where, you know, that's where it matters. What happens when you treat the patients? It's one thing to, you know, look at these preclinical studies and they give us a glimpse into what to expect, but it really comes down to what happens when we actually treat our patients. And, and I think I was surprised because it, you know, it, it's always nice when you have a good story and we say, okay, it's made to do this and we hope it's going to do this, but it really comes down to what do we see when we actually put it on psoriasis patients, and and we saw what we hoped we would see. You know, it, the the efficacy was really quite good. Yeah, the data showed that it worked as well over the same period of time as a high potency topical corticosteroid. Um, so that was that that's good to know, and it is in a, an emollient spray, as you say. Any comments on? the patient acceptability or the use of the emollient spray? Because that obviously, obvious, if they did this together and, you know, if they put this together and got a great reservoir effect and a great potency, but it was messy and patients didn't like it, it wouldn't go very far. So I know that the formulation was fairly well designed and you, you did some work on that. Can you comment on it? Yeah. You know, Jim, it's one thing, say somebody has, you know, a, a an acute condition, you know, poison ivy, they're going to put on almost anything for a, because it's a short period of time. They might use it for two weeks and then their condition clears up. But something like psoriasis, where we're dealing with patients who have had this disease for potentially decades and we're giving them something to use, they're going to be a little more sophisticated in their choice of, of vehicles and their need for an acceptable drug that they can actually put on. It's got to feel nice. It's got to be able to be, um, you know, y- you don't want to feel sticky and gooey and you don't want it to stain. And we found that the, the patient acceptability was quite high. And, um, you know, we asked patients how they like things and, and, um, how they feel after they've used the drug. And, you know, it's it's in a vehicle that I think helps to promote compliance. Well, that's important to know. I'm going to ask you to hold uh, while we get a word from our sponsor, and I'll be back to you very shortly. Sponsored by Primus Pharmaceuticals, the makers of Cernivo, Betamethasone, Depropionate Spray, 0.05%, a spray lotion formula delivered at the lowest possible price for patients. Go to PrimusCareDirect.com to learn more about access to the Direct Pharmacy Savings Program. So, Linda, what about in a practical sense with your actual clinical experience and patients? You know, certainly what you've seen from studies, but also from actually managing patients in your real-world practice. Any comments on the use of this uh, emollient spray formulation of beta-methasone dipropionate? 
You know, Jim, I think one of the things I learned early on that I think has served me well is try to simplify the treatment regimen. And so if I can give you one drug that you can potentially use on the body and then maybe on the scalp as well, that really helps the patient because we all have those patients who come in with bags. This is for my body. This is for my hands. This is for my scalp. This is for other areas. And and then they get home and they don't remember what you said. So um, this was one formulation that I think helped to simplify the regimen because I would give it to patients who had disease not only on their body, but we know a high percentage of psoriasis patients also have disease on their scalp. So it's a nice formulation that for many people, it's, you know, easy to apply to the scalp itself, especially with the spray. So that, that, that helps compliance, I think, if we can give them fewer numbers of prescriptions. Yeah, and it spreads easily into the skin, so you don't, don't tend to get that sticky residue if you, you have a lot of hair on your head like we, we both do. I still feel very fortunate <laughs> at my age that right. I do. It's all, it's all mine. It's all mine. That's but, great. But, you know, one of the things that – you know, sometimes we'll see patients that do have some intertriginous psoriasis that have chronic plaque psoriasis, maybe have some in their axilla and their groin. And I, I think we have to remember that formulations like this are not absolutely contraindicated in those locations, but you have to use them with caution. But if the patient was going to utilize this uh, emollient spray, in the axilla, let's say, for five to seven days and then making sure they stop. I mean, that's an okay thing to do in clinical practice. It's just, you know, that's not something you want them to depend on. But you wouldn't necessarily have to give them another prescription just to treat that area when you're already covering the scalp, you know, trunk and extremities. Would you agree with that? I would agree that you can use almost anything anywhere as long as you tell them. If you say to them, one day, then they'll probably use it for like four days, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, anything, anywhere for a very short period of time, I think is fine. Yeah, I, I thought that I was the only one that people didn't listen to, but I apparently <laughs> in the Detroit area, you have the same issues. Huh? Same problem, I, absolutely. Same, same problem, right? Uh, you know, I bet you your kids listen to you better than mine lis have listened to me. I just have a funny feeling about that. But um, what about the the we look at clobetazole. Clobetazole to me is almost a reflex go-to topical for psoriasis by clinicians because of so much experience with it and the efficacy it gives us because of the the potency and the, the, the variety of vehicles that have become available even among the generic formulations. But we've always had the 0.05%. Uh, now there's a 0.025% half the concentration of what we had before with data that is fairly impressive. Can you talk about that particular formulation? Yeah, you know, I agree with you. I think clobetazole, and, and the numbers will show when you look at prescribing habits of dermatologists, um, they tend to prescribe class one steroids. They tend to prescribe clobetazole probably more than the other topical steroids. But we don't have a huge safety net, especially when we're looking at the 0.05%. Um, it does generally have, you know, a limitation that we want to use it for two weeks. We do worry if they use it on larger body surface areas that we might get um, some absorption. And we know we do. You know, we know that if they're using it, it's going to get absorbed into the systemic circulation. So 
if we can have a drug that actually provides a similar efficacy, but actually has a safety profile that's better than the 0.05%, I think that's really a win-win. You know, patients will still get the efficacy. And as you mentioned, they did study this, this half strength or 0.025% uh, as compared to the 0.05%. And in this head-to-head -head study, you know, it, it's a small study, but they still showed that the efficacy looked comparable, yet the safety profile was, was better. Yeah, the risk of HB axis suppression is diminished. The amount of actual drug that gets into the sur uh, systemic circulation is markedly less. So, you know, I think some dermatologists would say, well, you know, I haven't really seen much difficulty with that. But, you know, we don't always know exactly what's going on. And if we can have the same efficacy and have less concern about that potential if people are getting more and overusing it, or even with their regular use, if they have to use it on a more frequent basis or a prolonged duration, it, it always makes sense to me to take the safer route if you could, especially if you're going to get the same benefit out of it, right? And, and I agree, Jim. I think the thing is people are saying, I don't see it, but how often do you actually look for it? And I don't think any of us are actually sitting around looking for HP access suppression um, or, you know, systemic absorption. But I agree, if we have something that gives us a little bit more of a safety net, a little bit more of that cushion, it makes sense if you can have similar efficacy to take the safer route. Yeah, and the vehicle is very well tolerated. So it, it's also very well formulated. Just, there are two sides to it. You can have everything lining up, but if people don't like the vehicle or there are adverse events with it, it stings, it burns, you know, once again, the, the compliance or lack of compliance in that situation, obviously, if people aren't using something, you're not going to get better. Any other pearls? I mean, you, you're thinking a lot about, you know, designing studies, being involved in studies. I sit across the table or even next to you at meetings discussing a lot of these things. And I've seen you at the podium several times. Any closing thoughts or tips that have come your way related to topical treatment of psoriasis? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's, there's a few things I think I've learned over the years in treating my psoriasis patients. The first is, you know, especially the first time you're meeting them, sit down, look them in the eye, spend a minute and talk to them and ask them, how are you doing? And I, I think that's true for all of our patients who have chronic disease. Sometimes they just want somebody to, to look at them and talk to them for a minute. And then I would say, try to be aggressive in, in getting the patient under control. Don't just find some easy product that, you know, is, is easy to write. When we're talking about patients who have chronic disease and they have to put a topical on day in and day out, be considerate. Think about something. What would you want to do? Would you prefer to use something a little more elegant that maybe goes in nicely that the patient will not have a problem using? Is there something that might be a little bit safer than another thing? Um, and so I always, I always try to put myself in the shoes of the patient and think, how would I want to be treated? What would I want somebody to prescribe for me? And, um, and, and I think that ends up really creating a partnership that, that will withstand kind of the long term. 
Yeah, I, I have to tell you that, you know, not to sound like I'm bragging, but I I see a lot of people that want to put themselves in my shoes because I have a lot of shoes, Linda. <laughs> a <laughs> yes, lot of nice do. shoes, as you know. <laughs> yes, but, you, you do. Know, that's, a diff- that's a different type of situation. But I, I think what you're saying is really important because we get busy and even patients that we've seen for a long time, we may not necessarily know what's going on. So just to get that check-in and make sure that the the people really – really, really are okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how they're doing at that point in time, because most of the time, they're going to want to be on their best behavior. When we walk into the room, they're not going to tell us, you know, I'm really struggling with this lately, mm-hmm. or maybe disclose something that's even more serious about how the condition is bothering them. I think that 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 check in. What about evaluating patients, you know, looking for sites of involvement that they may not necessarily show you, like intertriginous areas. Sometimes even the scalp is hidden. Do you look for all those areas in every patient, or do you just judge it based on the situation? Sometimes people get get funny about especially showing the genital area. And that that is absolutely true. And for my new psoriasis patients especially, I do ask them to undress completely for my, especially for the first exam. Some will say no, and I respect that. But you know, patients might have psoriasis in their scalp. They might have it under the breasts. They might have it in the groin. They might have it, you know, in other areas like the the sacral area. They might not tell you, but they expect you to know, and they expect you to treat them appropriately. So mm-hmm. I think the best thing is just you know to really take a look, especially the first time, every single time they come back, you know, if they're doing well, you're not going to make them strip down or they're really going to be uncomfortable with you. But I think at least once get a really good glimpse. um, And just that way you can really more holistically evaluate the patient. And you, like you said, you can check in and ask, say, are there other areas that are involved that, that, that we didn't talk about, or you didn't show me today that, you know, that, that I need to know about. The other factor is patients can have very limited disease. And I know, especially with nail psoriasis and have psoriatic arthritis. And they don't necessarily have to have diffuse involvement with uh, with cutaneous psoriasis. And we have to remember about the comorbidity aspects of the disease. Linda, I have one more question for you, okay? So this is a question that I've, I've asked some others, but I wanna know, do you prefer your matzo balls hard or soft? My matzo balls? Medium. Yes. Medium, In, Jim. And it's critical. Oh. It's critical. So how do you, what's a medium? Define medium, what I don't medium. like it too soft, too mushy. I don't like it too hard that it's a hard time cutting. Just nice in the middle. Nice in the middle. So I have to think about that now. I bet Linda's like <laughs> doing the rating, doing the, the investigator matzo ball assessment. A whole new on, assessment. You know, yeah. A whole new yeah. assessment scale. We can work on that another time. Linda, thanks so much for, you know, talking with me today and we appreciate your your discussion. Thanks, Jim. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Derms and Conditions. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcasts at fred.health. And most importantly, if you like this episode, subscribe to the Derms and Conditions podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Thanks for joining us.
Sponsored by Primus Pharmaceuticals, makers of Empoise, Clobetasol, Propionate Cream, 0.025%, and Cernevo, Betamethasone, the Propionate Spray, 0.05%. To learn more about access for all patients, no matter what type of insurance, at the lowest possible price, go to PrimusCareDirect.com. 